Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, it is so good to be with you today. Thank you so much to our worship team. Uh, What an honor to be together, worshiping together from wherever you're watching from today. And I wonder if you could join me in the chat today. Let us know where you're watching from. We really do count this an incredible honor that people all across our country are gathered for church and people from other countries of the world as well. What a a beautiful thing to be Jesus' church in this season. And today, wherever you are, you need to know that you are the church. Some people you feel like, I couldn't get to church today or we did church online today. Guess what? Church is something that we're doing, but more than that, it's who we are. God has called us to be his church, his people who are called out of darkness and into light. So share it in the chat. Let's be verbal today. Let's be vocal today. And as we dive into this fourth message, I need a little bit of feedback from you today. This has been a great series looking at the Apostle Paul's trustworthy sayings to young men, Timothy and Titus, who he's mentoring. And these five different times in his short books, he writes this statement, this this quote right here, it's a trustworthy saying. In other words, it's the type of saying that's foundational, that you could build other truths upon. If you wanna kind of habit stack, you could habit stack these truths and put them one on top of the other. So we looked at that thought that Jesus Christ came to the world for sinners of whom I am the worst. If that message was significant to you, why don't you just throw that in the chat? That's a pretty awesome thought that God's grace is available to all of us and actually our fallenness is what qualifies us to be great recipients of his grace. We're the worst, but through God we get to experience the righteousness of Christ. And then we looked at at, uh, the thought that being a leader is a noble task. It is work. God has called you to something amazing and the thing he's called you to will actually require work from you. So to aspire and to have a desire to do something for God will also require that you perspire. And then last week we looked at this thought of no days off. You know, that's the truth. The reality is as we grow in godliness, becoming more like God in our attitudes, and in our actions and in our perception of the world around us, it requires that we take no days off to this thing. We keep on training ourselves. If that was significant for you, write it in the chat. And today, I want to take a little bit of a different tone, a little bit of a different flavor in today's message. If you're writing down the title, today's title is this, That's My Jam. How many people right now in the chat, let us know what's the song that you are jamming on right now? What's the, the song or the genre that you're like, oh yeah, that's my, that's my kind of music. It's on the car, it's or on the radio, and you immediately are like, yep, yep, I know the song. I know every word to this song. For some, your jam might be a song that you used to play in high school, or maybe during a certain summer in college. Or maybe you know some significant point in life that it was it was so profound to you. For some, your jam is the newest bleeding edge type of sound. You're like, no, no, I've listened to that song for like three weeks. I'm so over it. But this new underground unknown band. For some, your jam is just the next song by your favorite artist. Whatever their next song is, that's your favorite song. But what's your jam? Today I, I ask this question because the Apostle Paul, the statement he highlights in today's message is actually in the form of a song. Most scholars think that it was maybe a song that was sung in the early church. And that as Paul is pausing to say to Timothy, this is a trustworthy saying. He's actually probably humming a song in his mind or or, or almost like tapping his toe to the beat 
to this specific song. That as Timothy read it, he would have known immediately the, the, the tune to this type of song. Isn't it amazing how songs help you to remember content? Like, like how many people, when you need to remember uh, whether P comes before or after Q, you really quickly in your mind go, A, B, C, D, E, F, Q, oh. Anyone do that? How many people, when you're trying to, to remember, you know, maybe some sort of, of math concept or geography concept, you can think of little rhymes, little limericks, little, little tunes that you learned maybe in kindergarten. Do you know that's actually how the, the, word hap, or the song Happy Birthday was written? By a couple of sister, sisters in 1893 who needed to have a song for their kindergarten class to sing when it was somebody's birthday. And so they wrote the song Happy Birthday, which now, by the way, produces $2 million of royalties every single year. And for some, when you hear that song, you're like, oh yeah, that's my jam. And so I wanna ask you today, like, what, what's your favorite song? Well, what are you listening to even right now? And why don't we look at this particular passage and see the, 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 the song that Paul sings, and then I'm gonna unpack the context, okay? Here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse 11, he says this, Here's a trustworthy saying, and it's in the form of a song. If we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Interesting song. I have no idea what tune it's sung to, but this song is like a little praise break in the middle of some profound teaching by Paul. And so I'm going to do my best today to try to unpack that same type of teaching so maybe the, the words to that song can help us just a little bit more. You know what's interesting about songs? I was looking uh, in the nation of Finland. Just an interesting thought about music. There are actually more metal bands in Finland per capita than any other country in the world because that's their jam. There are 53 metal bands for every 100,000 people in the nation of Finland. That's crazy. Do you know this, that the British Navy, in order to protect their ships from Somalian pirates, they actually blast Britney Spears music with the thought that the, the, the Western culture is so repulsive to Somalian pirates that they're gonna avoid attacking a ship that's, that's playing Hit Me Baby one more time. Isn't that crazy? Uh, it's some interesting things about music. You know, music, it actually has been proven that it improves your mood when you sing together. That's why today at Church at Home and every time we gather, we would remind you like, hey, stand up where you are, sing along where you are. Even though we're not in the same room, it actually is for your benefit. It improves your mood. Not only does it improve your mood, but music actually has the ability to improve your cognitive recall. You remember things better through music. I think that's why Paul sings a song. Not only does it affect your cognitive recall, but it also affects your cardiovascular health. Wow, your heart gets better. Your head gets better, your mood gets better when you listen to music. It also gives you the ability to endure more. Yeah, that's right. Music helps you in your endurance. They've done studies that prove that people who run or ride a bike or do some sort of exerting exercise to music actually require 7% less oxygen to do the same task. In other words, because their body's at ease, their mind's at ease, their heart's at ease, their mood is up, they actually are able to go harder and stronger and faster for longer. 
Today, I think it's no surprise that we're talking about music in the context of endurance. In fact, this whole message is all about endurance. One last interesting little stat here on music. Do you know there's this, there's this composer, his name is John Cage. He wrote an avant-garde type of symphony. It's the, uh, it's the slowest song ever written. They began playing it in 2001, and the performance of that song will conclude in 2640. That's right, 639 years played on the pipe organ. It takes months for there to be a chord change. Now that is some crazy endurance. But, but here Paul is talking about endurance. I want us to catch this in our heart, and I'm going to be real vulnerable with you. I need this message today. I'm struggling to want to endure today. Maybe you're feeling that way as well. Maybe, maybe COVID has finally set in and you're going, this is so long. Or perhaps there's some other pressure or force in your life that is pushing all your buttons and you're like, oh, I just feel like I can't keep going any longer. Well, that's probably what Timothy was feeling when Paul wrote this letter, because look what it says. Second Timothy chapter two, verse one. And then my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And in the things you've heard from me that were said in the presence of many witnesses entrusted to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. Join me in suffering. What an interesting call from the Apostle Paul to a young man, Timothy. He says, Timothy, be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. Today, if you need a little bit of a boost of endurance, an encouragement to persevere, an encouragement to keep going, I want you to know this, your strength is not in your effort, your strength is not in your learning, your strength is not in your knowledge, your strength is not in your ticking of all the boxes and getting it all right, your strength comes in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Isn't it amazing? I think we often look at grace as being weak, but grace is profoundly strong. And the fuel to endure, the fuel on the inside of our spirit to keep on keeping on, to go forward and to push forward and to be who God's called us to be, that fuel is actually the grace of Jesus Christ. God chose us. And he chose us not only at one moment in time and now he's stuck with us, knowing everything that we would be and everything that we would falter and God still chose us. In fact, in the Bible it says this, that his mercies towards us are new every morning. Think about that, vivid. You woke up this morning and God chose you. You woke up this morning and God, knowing how much mercy you and I would require, he said, that's my daughter, that's my son. Like that's the foundation for some pretty incredible strength. If you just stop and pause in your day and pause in whatever you're working through and trying to sort and remind yourself this, God has already made up his mind about me. Think about that. God has made up his mind about you. He loves you. He's chosen you. He's for you. He has a great destiny for you. And you did nothing to earn it. You do nothing to deserve it. And when you fall or you falter or you fail, you've done nothing to disqualify yourself from it because his grace is sufficient for you. God chose you. He picked you. He's made up his mind about you. 
Let me put it this way. Your relationship with God is one that has already been defined. Has anyone ever been in that define the relationship conversation? Oh, it's awkward. It's awkward, especially if two people are in different points of view about it. But God has already defined his relationship with you. He loves you. He's lavishing his love on you. And he, he wants you not only for a season, but for eternity. Here, let me put it in another context. You are not on probation with God. You're, you're not new to this faith thing and God's saying let's both give it a couple months just to feel out our performance and see if this is a good fit. God knowing that we were his enemies sent his son Jesus into the world for sinners of whom we are the worst. That grace is the foundation for your strength. It might be that you look around at someone else and you observe them and you say wow they've got more strength than I have and the reality is if they do it's simply because they've tapped into an understanding of God's grace. Their endurance is founded in their understanding of what God feels about them, what God thinks about them. This is Paul speaking, by the way, who in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 said, God's grace is sufficient for me, for even in my weakness, God's power is doing its best work. I don't know about you, I think that sometimes the proof of God's love for me is found more in my failures than in my victories, more in my down moments than in my up moments. It's the same in in human affection, in human interactions. You really, truly come to love and appreciate unconditional love when the conditions that seem to fit for you to deserve it are not met. Like when you on your worst day are still loved by your spouse. When you, on your worst moments, still receive affection and care from your parents or admiration from your children. When you get great interactions with a friend, even when you're having an off day. That's when it really affects you. Well, guess what? God's grace is sufficient for you, even in your weakness. Paul says to Timothy, I want you to be strong in the grace of God. And he goes, not only in the grace of God as an ethereal concept, but if it's going to help you, remember the things that I've taught you. You know, I'm going to be honest. I feel a weight of responsibility every single Sunday to open up this Bible and teach in a way that is effective and hopefully life-giving so that you and I, together as we go forward, have some reliable context to build our life upon. That's why I never want to just go, okay, guys, here's a great scripture. Oh, look at this. We're in 2 Kings today. Let's pull something out and and try to apply it out of context. The context is what gives it so much power. Paul says, God, like, like, like Timothy, remember God's grace for you. That's where your strength comes from. Remember the specific things I taught. And he says, I taught them not only to you, but to other reliable people who are able to teach others. Do you know part of the responsibility of understanding scripture is that you can communicate it to others who will communicate it to others. I'm telling you, part of my responsibility as a pastor is to raise up leaders, raise up people who can be effective in life. Not because our church needs more leaders, but because we are called to be all God has called us to be. And we find that through the grace of God and through the truth of the gospel. I'm getting fired up today. Paul's saying, Timothy, You need a little more courage. Bro, you need a little more strength. You need to to recognize there's an endurance quotient to this thing. There's a requirement on you as a leader to really see it through. Part of signing up for leadership that it has to be your jam. 
to endure some suffering. And he just drops it like that. He goes, and join me in my suffering. In other words, it's going to hurt. There's some pain in this process. I, 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 can't, I can't lie to you. I can't tell you following Jesus makes life easy, simple, ne never any conflict, never any trouble. No, it's suffering. There, there's some pain involved. There's some pain in this process. But there's a reward in store. We'll remember that when we get back to this song. Now, in order to help, Paul gives Timothy three examples. And so I'm going to use these same three examples today, okay? These three pictures of what suffering can feel like. He uses the picture of a soldier, the picture of an athlete, and the picture of a farmer. In other words, he's calling Timothy to endure or to suffer in these three ways. Fight for it, keep on running, and put in the work. Vivid Church, I'm asking us to do the same thing. Let's fight for what we believe, let's keep on keeping on, and let's put in the work. Look at the pictures he gives, starting at verse 3. He said, join me in my suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled with civilian affairs, but rather they try to please their commanding officer. So if we're going to be good soldiers, if we're going to fight our fight, we can't be entangled by civilian affairs. Now, what are civilian affairs? Well, they're both good things and bad things. Well, that was kind of obvious. Like, like a, a civilian affair or civilian liberty would be the ability to be proud, individualistic, do what you want when you want to do it. A soldier lays down the right to those things. But on the positive side, part of being a civilian is the ability to ha have a home, to, to be at peace with your family, to gain wealth. A soldier has also laid down those things. Paul says, Timothy, if you want to be all God has called you to be, there is this soldier type aspect where you, you choose to not be entangled with civilian affairs. And you make your life about what uh, matters to your commanding officer, what matters to the mission. Now this word entangled is probably one that could get us confused. You might be saying, well, I, I'm not... I'm not like caught up in the rat race. I'm not really trying to keep up with the Joneses and I'm doing my best to kind of put aside my own youthfulness and my own distraction. Well, the word entangled, it actually means to become braided with, okay? To, to, to be braided. Now, some of you with longer hair or, or with daughters or with sons who, who, who prefer to have a braid, I don't know, but some of you have done this concept. You, you take more than one strand of something, you braid it together and in doing so, it actually makes for something that's stronger. I think what Paul is saying is this, that a soldier doesn't find their strength from average things. A soldier finds their strength from being part of the mission. He goes, Timothy, if, if we want to fight the good fight of faith, we need to find strength in the mission that we're on, not in the distractions that are around us. For some, we're, we're trying to build our own thing, to build our own brand, to build our own name, to build, and those things are okay. But if you think that's going to make you stronger as a person, you might be missing out on the grace factor that is found only in Jesus. And it's where your strength really comes from. So, so that's one picture, the picture of a soldier. And for some, that's going to resonate with you. For some, it won't. Well, let's talk about the athlete. That's what Paul does. Verse 5, he says, Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete doesn't receive the victor's crown except for a competing according to the rules. Now, if you're going to be an athlete, you've got to keep running in the race. 
Oh, oh, Paul uses the, the picture of a runner, he uses the picture of a boxer, he uses the picture of a wrestler. He, he seemed to be a bit of a sports fan. I'm a sports fan as well, but guess what? Nobody wins when they, they play by their own set of rules. That's just called chaos. Like, there, there's nothing admirable about a person who wins by cheating. There's also nothing admirable about winning something that doesn't matter. Think about this. I remember uh, talking to a friend once who said they were really good at the game Candyland. Well, I don't know if you've ever played Candyland, but there's no way to be really good at it. You roll a dice and you move according to what it is. Next, go to the next color. There's no strategy. There's no skill. There's no requirement. Imagine with me an Olympic level event or a championship level event of coin flipping. There's no, there's no skill involved. There's no ability to endure. There's no requirement to suffer. It's just random chance. There's nothing exciting about that. Paul says, we are like soldiers. We fight a good fight. We're like athletes. We keep on training ourselves. We are getting ready for race day. We are preparing in the unglamorous nature of what it is to do the thing we're doing. Do you know, it's also this, that nobody ever celebrates a quitter. Paul said, don't be a quitter. Timothy, I've called you to something. God has set you apart for something. It's going to require his grace. And so when it's hard, good news, you're doing it the right way. It's supposed to be hard. And you don't win by cheating. And you don't win by cutting corners. And you don't win by just playing your own game. Imagine with me, maybe you've been this person before who redefines what a win looks like in order to feel like they're always winning. That's not the athlete way of doing things. You know, the person who no matter what happens, they're like, it's okay because I wanted this to happen anyway. It's okay, I actually wanted to not have a job anyway. It's okay, I wanted to be stood up anyway. No, you didn't. Take the loss, learn from it, grow through it, keep on enduring. Like an athlete, this is practice and you're preparing for that moment of victory. So Paul says, Timothy, if it's gonna help you, Think about a soldier. It'll help you fight. If it's going to help you, there's going to be days where you feel like you're training in the off-season, then think about an athlete. They don't win unless they train. And then he goes, if those don't help you, think about a farmer. And the same thing for you. Today, you're like, I don't, I don't resonate with soldiers. I don't resonate with, with athletes. Well, maybe a farmer. Look at this. He says, uh, uh, verse 6, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share in their crops. You know, maybe like a farmer, you need to recognize that there is a, a season for planting, there's a season for cultivating, there's a season for weeding and watering and waiting, but at the end of all that, there's a season for harvest. I was, I was thinking this question today. Maybe you can help me with the question. Maybe you know the answer. I'm going to guess that you don't. Who is Canada's greatest farmer? I don't know. You don't know either. Because there's nothing glamorous about farming. It takes a lot of work and it matters so very much. But the credit for doing so is that you get to fill your tummy and do it all over again. It's kind of what it feels like to live in your destiny, to, to fulfill your purpose. We don't do it for glamour. We do it because it's a response to God's grace. We endure and we go forward because the work is part of the reward. And implicit in this 
is that in, in the waiting, in the season of cultivating and watering and weeding and working, the farmer is still feeding themselves off last year's harvest. And the same is true for us. As we are preparing to, to share God's word with others or to share the gift he's put on our life with others, we are also reaping the benefit from it. As I studied to preach this message, I met with Jesus. As I open up the word and go, what can I share with the, the, the church that God has entrusted me to, the people that he's entrusted under my care, I am fed as I prepare to feed. That's what it feels like to be a farmer. It's not glamorous. So Paul says, Timothy, fight and keep on running and keep on working. If you don't fight, you'll never experience victory. If you don't keep on running, you'll never finish your race. If you don't keep on working, you'll never taste the harvest. And he gives these three different pictures because some days we need to be reminded, I'm just a, a soldier in the army of God. And some days we need to be reminded, there are no days off and I'm working hard behind the scenes for race day or for, for championship day. And some days we need to be reminded, I'm a humble farmer. It's not glamorous, but I'm gonna put in the work to prepare for a future harvest. Paul says to Timothy, verse seven, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. This is a difficult message to preach, but it's also a really easy one because God is saying, I'm gonna give you insight into your own life on some of these topics. So when we're talking about fighting and enduring and working, fighting and running and working, there's gonna be different things that speak to each one of us. Maybe you feel like a soldier today. Guess what, you can't find your strength in the things that you think will make you, you stronger, your strength that it only comes in the grace of God. Your strength is to do the master's will. Maybe you can learn something from an athlete and the hard, enduring work when nobody's cheering and nobody's watching. There's a victory in store for you if you keep on going. Maybe you can learn from a farmer who puts in the work but also gets to enjoy the harvest. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says this, Timothy, here's my gospel. Jesus really truly died. The fact that he puts descended from David in there, he just wants to remind us Jesus was God and man. 100% fully God, fully man, fully dead, and fully alive. And if that is the foundation for our hope, he goes, oh, I can suffer some chains. I can suffer some hardship. I can suffer some brokenheartedness. I can some, suffer through not being able to find my strength in civilian affairs. I can suffer through those long, hard, training days and I can suffer through waiting through the storm to see if the seed will ever take because Jesus, my master, Jesus, my victory, Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, Jesus, he actually endured way more than I will and he rose again, resurrected. So this too is my hope. And into that context, he goes, hey, Timothy, this right here is my jam. Check out this song, don't forget the lyrics to this song. If we died with him, then we'll also live with him. If we endure, then we'll also reign with him. 
If we disown him, he'll also disown us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. This small, little, memorable song. I wish there was a melody to it that had been recorded in a way that perhaps we could sing, because if we remember these things, they will help us to endure. Whatever you're facing today, these truths will help you to endure. Jesus, he died and rose again. And so if we've died in him, we've been baptized, we've been accepted into a relationship with Jesus, then we also have life to look forward to. You might be feeling like, oh, life is killing me right now. Well, guess what? We have eternal life to look forward to. He goes, if we endure, we'll also reign with him. I like to put it this way when I'm talking to my kids or the, the classmates on their teams that I coach in elementary school sports. Winners never quit and quitters never win. That's just the reality. Winners are not the people who quit when things get hard and quitters will never experience the thrill of victory. Paul says, Timothy, remember that song we sang? I think we sang it last Sunday. I think we sang it last time we were together. You remember that song? Like, uh, if we endure, then I don't know how the song goes. He goes, if we endure, then we also get to reign with him. That's your promise, Timothy. Vivid Church, that's your promise. If you keep on enduring, you will experience the victory of Jesus. And then it gets into this really heavy third verse to the song. If you disown Jesus, then he'll also disown you. In other words, Paul's saying your whole life should look like it. Like your whole life should represent it. Everything we do and everything we're motivated by should be an acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord of all. If he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. But before you get too doom and gloom and you go down that dark emo pathway and you get yourself discouraged, even if you're faithless, Jesus still remains faithful. In other words, Paul is saying this, like, like don't turn your back in life on the things you've, you've found to believe, but you're going to fall and God's faithfulness towards you is not linked to your ability to always be faithful. Of course you're going to fall. Of course you're going to fail. But Jesus isn't going to disown himself when he chose to put grace in your life. He's not going to disown himself. Jesus, that enduring grace is sufficient even in our weakness. I hope this is helping somebody today. I hope you're feeling encouraged to endure today. I, I wish... In some ways that I could give you a message, guys, everything's about to get easier. But the truth is that's probably not what life is going to look like. In fact, if we're going to follow Jesus and be the people who learn from his word so we can be conduits of his word, it probably is going to get harder. There's probably more suffering. There's probably more endurance required. There's probably more fight that we're going to need to fight and more race that we're going to need to run and more work that we're going to need to do. But that's my jam. Like, like if we can get the word of God in our heart, it becomes the music, the tune, the, the backing track of our life. It'll increase our mental cognitive ability and our emotional health and help us to endure and go longer and harder and faster. So there's just two things I'm going to ask you to do. There's a whole bunch more in here. And if I had time, I would just unpack this. I wish we could all just sit in a room together and chat this all through. And that day's going to come. But let me give you these two little thoughts. Two things that are going to help you with this this week, okay? Paul says here, two things. 
Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words because it has no value and it only ruins those who listen. Can I ask you today, if you're going to fight, let, let it be that you're fighting the good fight of faith. Don't fight over things that don't matter. Don't quarrel about opinions. Don't quarrel about perspectives. Don't, don't fight back and forth with memes or whatever other way you're quarreling. It just has no advantage or effect. So many of us, we put all of our intellectual strength into learning things that don't matter so we can win arguments that make us losers. Don't do it. Let's not be those people. Let's not get into those type of battles. Let's not quarrel. Instead, let's put our energy into this. And I close with this today. He says this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Instead of putting our energy this week into quarreling and winning in petty little arguments, let's put our energy in towards understanding his word more. Really simply, let's spend time in the Bible every day. And in doing so, let it be that when God looks at the work and the outworking of our life, he goes, good work. Great job. You're doing it right. Now, to rightly handle, give you two pictures, and then I'm going to pray for you, and we're done. Okay, to rightly handle, two little pictures that are going to help. This is uh, the word given to a farmer to make sure they have made clear, straight pathways. And it's a word given to somebody who's prepared a meal that they apportion the right amount of food to every person. If we handle God's word right, then we have straight lines for our life to grow in, and we have properly delivered food or, or nourishment or edification to the people in our lives. Let me show you. It's going to drive some people crazy. I don't even feel that bad. Somebody today, you're going to be like, oh, I can't believe you made us look at that, okay? If you're that person, let me know in the chat, and I will laugh as you are in pain, okay? For some people, that's going to drive you crazy right there. When we don't handle the word of God right, it's like there's certain parts of our life that are straight and then something is just out of line. The, the beauty of that is when something's out of line and when you align it with other truths, it's very obvious what needs to change. For some, even right now, you're looking at this picture and you're going, that one area of my life, my financial integrity is out of line. Oh, my, my relationships are out of line. My attitude, ooh, it's out of line. And God is saying, if you rightly handle the word of truth, instead of putting energy into quarreling, put it into study, it's going to make you better. Here's another picture, okay? Oh, this one right here. Beautiful piece of artwork, asymmetry at its finest. You know, for some of us, we are improperly apportioning the things that we've learned to the people in our world. God is asking you to rightly divide the word of truth so that what he's put in you can actually be a blessing to others. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.